Welcome to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Wargold, the Wisconsin football and basketball beat writer for BadgerBlitz.com. Thank you for listening in, making us part of your podcasting experience, whether you're at home or work, listening on your phone, tablet, or computer. We've had a lot of good listenership numbers over the last several weeks. So thank you to our returning listeners and our new listeners for logging on today. On this podcast, because Wisconsin basketball has a brief week and no one has been suspended or transferred over the course of the last five or six days, we're going to focus a lot on recruiting today. Wisconsin had a junior day a couple weeks ago, and one of the attendees of that junior day, Hunter Wohler, the Wisconsin commit for 2021 out of Muskego, will join our podcast here in a little bit. He'll talk about when the football bug bit him, about his recruitment, about Ohio State, how the Buckeyes were involved with his recruitment, his relationship with Jim Leonard, and who he is recruiting for Wisconsin moving forward. So a good conversation with Hunter coming up. But should talk a little bit about Wisconsin basketball. Wisconsin last played on Sunday, delivering a 70-57 win over the Ohio State Buckeyes. First time Wisconsin has beaten Ohio State twice in the same season since the 2004-2005 season. A balanced effort. Brevin Pritzel won off his career high 19, uh, 19 points he scored, 5 of 6 from 3-point range, filled the stat sheet in a number of other ways. Aleem Ford, 1 rebound away from a double-double, 10 points, 9 rebounds. But then the balance really took over here. Trice, 8 points. Micah Potter has first career start at Wisconsin, 9 points. Nate Reavers, 9 points before following out. Trevor Anderson, 8 points off the bench. A lot of good bench production for Wisconsin, which outscored Ohio State's reserves 30-20. But where this game really turned was late in the first half when Wisconsin went on a 26-5 run, 16-0 run in the last four-plus minutes that really separated the Badgers from Ohio State entering halftime. The lead was 18 points. It grew to as many as 24, and Wisconsin emerged victorious and you know, one by 13 despite just going one for nine uh, to close the game. 12 of 32 from three-point range. Uh, rebounding, Wisconsin uh, was out-rebound by just one, 32-31. Held Ohio State to 37% shooting. So many good numbers you can point at in this game for Wisconsin. It was a fun day, too. The The final four team from 2000 was there. They were introduced uh, at halftime. Uh, Mike Kelly before the game uh, with a, a video kind of hyping up the crowd. You look at this Wisconsin basketball team, where they sit now, and they're in a decent spot. I mean, if the tournament started today, they would be in the field by all projections. They're 14-10 and 10 right now, probably in that 8-9 game. Uh, as the Big Ten standings sit, they're 7-6, and six, which is three games behind Maryland. Maryland has gotten hot at the right time. They've won seven in a row to kind of separate themselves a little bit from the middle of the pack. But right behind them is Penn State. Uh, winners of seven in a row. Wisconsin does not play Maryland or Penn State the rest of the way. Michigan State's a game and a half back after the Spartans had a huge road win at Illinois earlier this week. That's kind of the fun part about sitting and watching uh, Big Ten basketball this week when Wisconsin's on a bye, resting, uh, before they have to play Saturday at Nebraska. You kind of see all these other teams beat each other up. And you saw that Wednesday night, Ohio State had an important home win against Rutgers. Won that game by six. Michigan won at Northwestern by uh, 25. Northwestern sitting at six and 17, one and 12 in Big Ten play. Wisconsin will host Northwestern come up here uh, at the end of the month. But you look at where Wisconsin is right now, and they're a really good home team, 11 and one. They're not a good road team. They're three and six in true road games, three and nine if you include their three neutral site losses. 
And coming up here in a couple weeks is when all these games are going to be away from home. You finish the regular season at Indiana, then you go to the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis, and then you would hope to be in the NCAA Tournament, uh, barring a collapse here down the stretch against teams below you in the Big Ten standings. And this will be an important stretch for Wisconsin. Not only do you have a road game at Nebraska on Saturday, a game you should win. Cornhuskers are just 7-17 and overall. But then next week, you host two important games at the Kohl Center. You face Purdue on Tuesday, and then you host Rutgers, which I believe is Saturday or Sunday. These are two teams that you've played already this season. You lost to both of them on the road, and you both were dominated by these teams on the glass. These teams were more physical than Wisconsin. If Wisconsin wants to be taken seriously, these are the type of games that you have to win. But getting back on point to why Sunday was important for Wisconsin being Ohio State and that 2000 team. That 2000 Final Four team was not a great team through the first four months of the season. 11-10 and 10 overall they were. At one point they were 5-8 and eight in the Big Ten. But they caught fire at the right time. They won their final three games. Then they got hot uh, in the Big Ten tournament. They won a couple games to kind of cinch their seed. And then we all know what happened. They beat Fresno State. They beat Arizona, which was number one in their region. LSU and Purdue. We talked about this with Matt LePay last week. And... You talk to some members of the 2000 Final Four team before the game, and they see see a lot of comparisons between that Wisconsin team of 20 years ago and this Wisconsin team. Andy Kowski, who was there, the center of that team, said that that year they went through a lot of ups and downs. and But pretty much the whole season, it looked like Wisconsin was not going to be an NCAA tournament team the year before they lost to Southwest Missouri State. But they just stuck together. Said Andy said, and they didn't quit, they didn't fold, and he could see that similarities with this Wisconsin team. Here's his quote. This team right now, going through some of that turmoil the last two weeks, they could fold, but they're not. They're, they're going to stick together. They're a good team, and they've had a really tough stre- schedule so far, which I'm sure has toughened them up even more. If they just stick together, they're going to be fine. And what did Wisconsin do in the next two hours after those quotes? They played one of their best defensive efforts of the season. They held Ohio State to an ugly .69 points per possession in the first half. They held them to eight made field goals, no free throw attempts, and they generated nine turnovers in 29 first half possessions. That's what Wisconsin has to do this season. They need to be good defensively because they're not going to wow you offensively. There's no real playmaker, there's no really solid number two scoring option consistently on this team other than Nate Reavers. Now Potter has taken some steps forward. Demetri Trice hasn't scored a lot consistently. He's had moments. His assisted turnover ratio, however, has really skyrocketed here over the last several weeks. You look at that performance on Sunday, eight assists to just three turnovers. And Wisconsin's ball movement has gotten a lot better, too, in the last several several weeks, especially in games that they win. You can see that. 17 assists on 24 made baskets for Wisconsin on Sunday against the Buckeyes. And they just committed four turnovers in the opening 20 minutes and just nine for the game. Wisconsin needs to play that brand of basketball. They need to be able to attack. They need to be able to have balance because that's what happened to that 2000 Final Four team. They didn't have a lot of really good scoring options. I think Vershaw was the only player in double figures. But they had good balance. Guys got hot at the right time. They played smart offensively with good ball movement and trust. And defensively, 
they really turned it up a notch. And that's where Wisconsin's going to kind of make hay here over the course of the next several weeks. Because after you play Nebraska, you have Purdue and you have Rutgers at home, but then you have another road game at Michigan. Michigan just you know beat the pants off Michigan State over the weekend at home, so that's going to be a tough place to play. But then you have winnable games. Minnesota will be at the Kohl Center. Northwestern will be at the Kohl Center. Indiana is going to be an important game for Wisconsin to kind of generate some road momentum because the Hoosiers right now are 12-3 and at home. Wisconsin's not going to win the Big Ten this season. Yeah, Grant, there's you know seven games left, and they're three games behind uh, Maryland. So it's possible, but they have to leapfrog Rutgers and Illinois and Iowa and Michigan State, Penn State, and Maryland, and they don't play any of those teams uh, the rest of the way with the exception of Rutgers. So you're gearing yourself up for a postseason run, and you look at what that 2000 team can do for Wisconsin. They were at practice over the weekend, the 2000 team was. They were able to mingle a little bit with some of the players, and they served as good role models, I think, for the players. You kind of take a poll of this current Wisconsin makeup. You have the majority of these players were still in strollers and crawling around on all fours when this team was born. Tyler Wall wasn't even born yet. But seeing what can happen to a team that is an eight seed in the tournament and they find their mojo, they find their groove at the right time, plenty of stuff can happen. Here's Trevor Harrison after the game on Sunday talking about that 2000 Final Four team being on campus. Uh, everything that we've uh, learned from them is just about uh, playing for the W on your on the front of your jersey. Um, they said that they were like 11 and 11 at one point in the season, and just shows that anything can happen when you buy in and play for each other. So I think that's a good message for us. Head coach Greg Gard uh, views Dick Bennett as one of his mentors, as somebody he can call up and, and talk to him at any point. And I think the the ovation that Dick Bennett got on Sunday was also really cool because Dick has not been a player that's really been at a lot of Wisconsin games over the course of the last 20 years. And to see these current players talk about what Dick Bennett and that team meant to Wisconsin, I think had a profound impact on this current Wisconsin team. And having Greg Gard kind of embrace that and have the throwback uniforms. And Gard just really was a fan. Here's what head coach Greg Gard had to say post-game about that team. It was good. It was, it, it was neat to watch them all interact as we practiced on the Cole Center floor. They were up in the stands and they... They didn't pay attention to practice. I said, I kept looking up, and they always had their backs were to the court, and they were talking to the people behind them and reminiscing and catching up. And like most teams, when the further you get from that time period when you played, the stories grow. You know, so I'm sure there was some tale telling that went on yesterday and last night. But uh, I heard the halftime thing was great. Um, I had, I didn't see it obviously, um, but uh, it was. It's, it's special to be able to have those guys back and, and have those people and real they realize how like I've told my guys, the further you get from that last one, you're gonna reminisce and enjoy the people that you're on that journey with. And it's very evident with that two thousand team. So you kinda of look at where Wisconsin is right now in the grand scheme of things. They're sitting with a very good profile. There's some ugly losses in there, but for the most part, this is a very good profile. They've played 14 Quadrant 1 games. That's the most of any team in the nation. Uh, they entered last week with the number 
uh, five uh, strength of schedule in the country. They have seven quadrant one wins. Um, they're just doing a lot of really good things. But the problem is now the momentum. Can Wisconsin figure out how to win on the road? And the Big Ten this year, we've talked to how jumbled it is. Every Big Ten team is at least a two-game conference losing streak. But these are games coming up where Wisconsin, a good NCAA team, a good team period, needs to win these type of games. You need to be able to beat Nebraska anywhere you play them, whether it's in Madison, whether it's in Lincoln, whether it's a neutral site, anywhere. Wisconsin needs to be able to play well on the road. They haven't won a road game in over a month. That's going to be critical coming up here. Then you need to defend your home court. Wisconsin has been better with their low post power. And it's the low post power is going to be limited this season because of the lack of depth there. You have Nate Reavers. Micah Potter has really improved defensively. There's going to be a story on him on BadgerBlitz.com about his improved defense. That's going to help him get more time on the court. But beyond those two, you don't have a lot of low post presence there. But you have a lot of players who are starting to play a little bit more physical. Aleem Ford has really stepped up his game on the defensive end over the last couple weeks, and that has helped Wisconsin move forward. You look at the uh, the play of Demetri Trice with the assistant turnover. You look at uh, the play of a Brad Davison, who has not played very well since coming back from his suspension. You look at the play of the bench with Trevor Anderson and Brevin Pritzel, the contributions they're making. You're starting to see flashes of this team start to put the pieces together. But can you do it consistently now? I think this three-game stretch at Nebraska, at Purdue, uh, at home against Purdue, excuse me, and home against Rutgers will really, to me, tell the tale of how good of a team this is going to be. Uh, if they could win these next three games, I think Wisconsin could be a team that could sneak into this to the second week in the NCAA tournament. I really do. If they go two and one, uh, maybe. If they lose in a way that, or they don't, if they win ugly against the Purdue and Rutgers and they get out manhandled again, then that's going to be a concern because we saw last year with this, with this Wisconsin team, a team that shot the ball very well for the most part of the season, go into the tank the last 11 games of the year. They went six and five and they lost their final two postseason games in whimpers against Michigan State and Oregon. I don't think they cracked 55 points. Wisconsin needs to find a way to generate offense, and they need to be able to play strong defensively. And we saw that. We've seen that in the last two home games against Michigan State and Ohio State, but we didn't see that in Minnesota. If you can beat Michigan State and you can dominate Ohio State the way you, you did, you can pretty much beat any team in the Big Ten. I don't know if you can beat any team nationally, but you can beat the teams that you're going to face the rest of the way in the conference and the teams you're going to face in the first round of the NCAA tournament, first and second round of the NCAA tournament. So, physicality, aggression, balance, defense. I think this team has kind of overcome the Kobe King hurdle. King is gone. They've accepted it. They've moved on. I think they've moved on fairly well. The performance on Wednesday, you can maybe equate it a little bit to the Eric Helen situation because Helen was so integral in so many things. He was so close to so many members of the team. I think there's been enough time now to process that and move on that that shouldn't be an issue anymore. So, can Wisconsin put all that outside noise behind them and play really good basketball from here on out? I think if you realistically look at their main schedule, Wisconsin should only lose two more games. They probably will lose at Michigan and maybe at Indiana. They should not lose another game at home. And you should not lose this Saturday at Nebraska. 
I think if you can get through the Big Ten season at 12 and 8, that is remarkable, in my opinion, for a number of things for Wisconsin. One, because the league is so good. B, Wisconsin's been decimated this year with, I shouldn't say decimated, their roster is thin with only nine healthy scholarship players entering the year. Three, with one of your starters leaving. And for all of the distractions this team has had to go through, from Howard Morris' tragic accident to Micah Potter's uh, appeals being denied to suspensions by the Big Ten to a transfer to resignations. I know a lot of people aren't Greg Gard fans. So from a program perspective, to overcome all that in a Big Ten that is as good from 1 to 12 as it's been in maybe 20 years, for them to finish with a winning record four games over 500, that to me is a successful season. And it starts for Wisconsin, in my opinion, this Saturday at Nebraska. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast powered by Overtime Media. Again, Benjamin Wargle here with you, take you through another uh, podcast. And we've had a lot of uh, downloads over the last couple of weeks where I think we're into the four figures, high mid to high four figures in terms of downloads. And I appreciate you guys coming in and listening to, to our show. And, you know, we haven't, I haven't talked a lot about recruiting over the last several weeks just because there really hasn't been a new recruit for the University of Wisconsin. And you had Jalen Berger, I guess, but I'm kind of referring to the 2021 class. 2020 was put to bed you know, before um, I joined on BadgerBlitz.com in December, and it a, was a really solid class. Uh, in terms of the internet rankings, some sites had it as one of the best Wisconsin classes ever. But you look at the 2021 class, and it's super early here. I'm not going to even you know try to gloss over the fact that it's still 10 months away from when these kids can officially sign. And there's going to be a lot of movement for a lot of teams between now and then. But as it sits today in the 2021 recruiting cycle, Wisconsin has eight commits. Of those eight combined commits, they rank seventh nationally. Just goes to show that there's some really good talent who have committed early to Wisconsin. And now a lot of it is in-state. There's two four-star kids in this class, J.P. Benchwell and Hunter Wohler, who we're going to hear, for, hear from here in a second. But then you have linebackers. A Brian Sanborn following the steps of older brother Jack Sanborn. You have another really good player from Minnesota, uh, Riley Malman, coming in. You have a couple uh, running back prospects in Loyal Crawford and Jackson Aker, uh, Acker from, from Verona. You have a quarterback in Deacon Hill from uh, California. All these guys are three stars with the exception of Hunter and JP. It's, a, it's, it's kind of the trend that we've seen with Wisconsin over the last several years with Paul Chris and his staff that they've been able to identify targets early, extremely early, like a year ago, recruit them, offer them, and get them to verbally commit early. J.P. Benchwell committed last February. Jackson Acker, June. Deacon Hill, late June. Loyal Crawford, early August. Uh, Riley and and Brian were were in the fall and winter. Uh, Io Adibogan was mid-December. And then Hunter Waller, the last commit in that class in, in December on December 23rd. This is a good base for Wisconsin to build upon. Because now you can use these guys to sell your program. It's the same thing Graham Mertz did. He committed early. He sold the program to all the other kids coming in to the class. You look at last year's recruiting cycle, the number of players that committed early for the Badgers to kind of build up that foundation where you have 20 kids who committed in the class ranked 27th. 
guys like Jack Nelson and Trey uh, Wedig, who committed early, Dylan Barrett, Ben Barton, uh, Kolo Dakovich. I mean, a number of these players were able to get an early offer and commit by January of 2019. And that helped convince guys like Cam Large from Massachusetts to be part of the program. Aaron Witt to decommit and find, uh, find Wisconsin. Caden Johnson, who committed late. Devin Chandler, a wide receiver from North Carolina. You know, Jalen Berger. All these players come in and take visits, and they see the, the camaraderie and the community of their, not just the players on the team, because a lot of these guys have talked about the family atmosphere between the coaches and the players, but they see their former teammates, and they see how locked in they are. That speaks volumes, in my opinion, to building a culture, building a program. And now Wisconsin's program doesn't really need to have to build from the ground floor up. They've been very good for a number of years. But if you want to take that next step and you want to win Big Ten championships by being Ohio State, if you want to win Rose Bowls instead of going to Rose Bowls, you need that chemistry and you need good players. And I think Wisconsin the last couple of years has brought in some really good young players who are going to help this program. And you look at this class here in 2021, it's early, but you have a offensive lineman in J.P. Benchwall who has the tools to be a really solid player. You look at a Brian Sanborn who looks exactly like his older brother in terms of how he plays. You look at the running backs, the talent there. There is skills to build on. And that, to me, is going to be exciting for Wisconsin. Earlier this week, Rivals.com updated their top 200 for the class of 2021. And the University of Wisconsin had two commits in that class. J.P. Benchwall was number 140, the top commit. And coming at 145th was Hunter Wohler on Muskego, one of 10 players to move up at least 50 spots in the latest updated rankings. And Hunter joins us now on the podcast. And, you know, Hunter, do you feel like one of the top 150 high school players in America? That's a pretty nice distinction that you have going for you entering the summer. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's, uh, it's definitely motivational. There's a bunch of dudes out there that are working to, to get ahead of me that are, that are still ahead of me. So it's definitely motivation. But it's, uh, it's fun to know that, know that that's where I am right now. So, but like I said, motivation to keep going. When did the football bug bite you? How old were you? Do you remember putting on pads and, and playing football in the backyard for a first time? When did it kind of become a, a kind of a lifelong pursuit for you? Uh, so I think I started playing when I was six or seven back in first grade. Um, I started playing tackle right away, so I just kind of jumped into it from there. Um, and I mean, I've, lo- I've loved the sport ever since, so it's kind of been my passion, and uh to get where I am now, it's a dream come true, so I, I couldn't be more excited. What did you grow up wanting to be? I mean, a lot of kids grow up wanting to be the quarterback or the running back. Not many people want to be a, a safety or a linebacker or an offensive lineman. What, what did you grow up wanting to be in football? Uh, initially, um, I was always growing up through elementary school, middle school. I was always linebacker and running back, and that kind of that's kind of just kind of fit in where my place was on the team. Um, and then as I got older, uh, like eighth grade or seventh and eighth grade, I was kind of started kind of thinking towards college a little bit and stuff like that. And I always thought it'd be pretty cool to play safety or a receiver of some sort. And uh, so in eighth grade, towards the end of eighth grade year, they actually threw me in on safety, uh, so I could kind of be all over the field. And then uh, I've played there ever since. So. Hunter was the WFCA Defensive Player of the Year last year. He had 122 tackles. 
Your coach called you, and I'm quoting, a freak and a, quote, a great equalizer. What do those two descriptions mean to you when you hear them labeled behind your name? Uh, I mean, those are, those are two, uh, two pretty outstanding, outstanding words, words of choice for me. Um, but, I mean, it's, it's, he's one of the best guys out there. I give him all the credit. He's, uh, he's the one that puts me in the position to make these plays. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, it's, honestly, it doesn't even matter what, what happens with me. So I'm just, I'm just better to do what I can, make the team win, and uh, we just keep moving forward that way. What was the big area of growth from your sophomore year into your junior year that made you into the player that you kind of, we saw on the recruiting trail, that a number of these schools came in and, and were deemed you worthy of a scholarship offer? What big change did you make, or did you just ex- kind of accelerate your growth uh, to a higher level? Uh, growth was a big part of it. Um, I put on one or two inches between sophomore and junior year, along with another 15 pounds. Um, so that was a big thing. And then just I, I developed overall more athletically, um, faster, more athletic in general. Um, but then it was it was the, the read steps, the back pedal, the playing the deep third, coming downhill. Everything just kind of came together a little better, and it was more it was more sharp than it was my sophomore year. Now, I grew up uh, in Waukesha. I went to Waukesha West, and so I'm familiar with how good the Classic 8 Conference is. You have teams like Catholic Memorial, which is always a force in D3. Waukesha West has, not, has won a number of state titles over the years. Arrowhead uh, wasn't so good this past year, but they're a program that always has a lot of talent. And you guys just ran through everybody. You went 8-0 and in conference, uh, or overall in the regular season. You scored 326 points, which is phenomenal in its own right, but you only gave up 58 in that yes, conference. Sir. Why was your defense so on point this past season in that conference? Uh, we played for each other. Um, that's what it really came down to all season. We knew we couldn't, we knew we couldn't give up on each other. We, we had to win it for, for the dude standing next to us that was fighting right with us. So it was, it was the whole defense. That was just the mentality, both. I mean, honestly, for the whole team, both offense and defense, and the, the coaching staff just, they push us to be great every day, So, and, and we know the standard that we're held at. So that's, I mean, there wasn't really any other option than to, than to do what we did. Sticking with the descriptive compliments for you, uh, Badger Blitz publisher John McNamara said, your athleticism, your physicality, and your closing speed are three areas that have stood out to him when he watches you play safety. And a two-part question now for you. What trait is the most important thing to have as a safety, and what trait have you had to work the hardest on to incorporate into your game? Uh, I think the aggressiveness is, is one of the most important parts, and I honestly think uh, the, state, the, the, the game in general is just losing the, uh, the, the punch and the, the impacts now, but I think, I think a safety that's aggressive is, is a big difference maker that can come downhill. Um, so that, that's a big part of it for me personally. Um, but the, one of the toughest spots that's, um, that's had to come together over the years is, is uh, playing in the, in the coverage and the man and the zone and everything like that because I never, I never grew up doing any of that stuff. So it just, it just started coming on freshman year. So then I had to, I had to learn everything like that and, and put all that together as well with the tackling.
Hunter Waller joining us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. You are one of eight known commits for Wisconsin in 2021 and one of five from the state of Wisconsin. But you were the only one of the five Wisconsin kids to really stretch out your recruitment after the Badgers offered you a scholarship. What was your thought process about how you wanted to handle your recruitment? Uh, so, growing up in Wisconsin, like like every other high school kid, that's their dreams to play at Wisconsin, their dreams to play at their home state. Um, but I didn't want to jump into anything. I didn't want to rush into anything too early. Um, I wanted to keep my options open and just see, see what else there was out there. So I had a great time going around with my family, looking at all the other colleges, taking, a, taking some game day visits, um, Ohio State, Michigan State, stuff like that. Um, so I just kind of followed it that way. And then Christmas, around Christmas time, um, I decided that Wisconsin was my home and that's where I wanted to be and that's that's where I felt that's where I felt like I could excel and that's where I felt just like where I belonged in general. A lot of the schools that offer you Hunter are familiar, I think, to in state kids in terms of scholarship offers. Iowa, Iowa State have recruited here a lot. Michigan, Michigan State have done so quite a bit over the last several years. Ohio State really is not a school that's ventured into the state very often and offered kids. Uh, what was kind of how big of a push did the did you get from the Buckeyes throughout last season after they offered you uh, during the summer? Uh, that was big for me personally. Um, that that was one that really kind of kind of opened made, like just kind of made it apparent in my mind that that I was at the level that I was at. Um, just with. Ohio State being the program they are, the the tradition that they have, um, but they were. I mean, to be completely honest, they were my they were my second pick. They were they were right there neck and neck with Wisconsin. It's they were. I mean, it's it's an unbelievable school, unbelievable coaching staff, um, and they were they were a big part of my recruitment as a whole. How did you approach your visits? Did you approach each visit with a, a blank slate that you're going to absorb everything and then kind of compare and contrast later? Or did you go into each visit comparing and contrasting them as you went along, like comparing weight rooms and, and training table and facilities uh, kind of from the start? Uh, I definitely went into it with an open mind overall, just because just I wanted to see what was out there. Um, in the back of my head, though, obviously, I was I was comparing between between the different colleges just to kind of just to see what each one had to offer and the, the difference between them all um but yeah i mean i, I just I, I had to go into it with an open mind just because i didn't want to block anything out too early and i just wanted to see what was, what was up what was the big thing that pushed you over the hump in december that made wisconsin the better fit for you than ohio state uh i had it up there for one of their bowl practices, actually, um, I headed up there just to talk with the coaches more, just to hang out with the team a little bit, um, get to know the campus more, the facilities more, and that honestly pushed me over the edge. That's just being there that time, but it was no, it wasn't a huge. There wasn't a ton of other recruits there. There was me and a few other kids just just checking the place out, um, and I got to meet some of the players who completely fit my personality, fit who I am. So that, that right there just kind of put me over the edge and and uh, pushed me towards the decision I made. What players at Wisconsin fit your personality? Uh, one of the main ones I talked to at the time I was there was Graham Mertz. Um, I mean, that's, he's, he's, he epitomizes 
what Wisconsin's all about. Him and I didn't talk to Jonathan Taylor, but those two are very alike in that they're all about the team aspect. They're not all about themselves, and that's that's kind of where I see myself at. It's 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 about the team. It's for what the team is is for. You had an opportunity to go to Junior Day a couple weekends ago. Kind of tell me about that experience, uh, getting a chance to spend some time with some of your uh, future teammates, uh, getting a chance to see a, what turned out to be a pretty cool basketball game, uh, some op- one-on-one opportunities with some coaching staff, members of the coaching staff. What was kind of your takeaway from that experience? It just it just reinserted me that that's, that's where I belong. Um, but it was a lot of fun just to get to meet my future teammates Meet the dudes that are already committed there. Um, I got to hang out with them for most of the day, just to just talking and talking football and talking Wisconsin and everything, watching the game. Um, just get to know what they're all about, and then also start start recruiting the other dudes that that haven't committed yet that are undecided, just to just to get to know them and hopefully get them on board as well. Yeah, one thing we've kind of learned, Hunter, about about Graham Mertz is that he is a, a a very good salesman for Wisconsin. He's pretty much the number one guy in terms of being the recruiter, the cheerleader among the the young players. He hosts a lot of kids when they come on official visits and unofficial visits, kind of like what he did with you. Who, who have you kind of made a point to uh, talk to about? Uh, coming to Wisconsin and recruiting for Wisconsin. Is, is that something you embrace kind of moving forward? And, and like I said, who are some of the guys that you're trying to talk to to get them involved in this class? Uh, there's been a couple guys that, that, I've, that I've talked to over the, over the last few months. Um, a big one is Braylon Allen, uh, mm-hmm. 2022 safety from Fondy. Um, he's been a big one for me because he's, he's, he's very similar in his game to – to how I am, so it'd be it'd be awesome to get another safety like that up in up in Madison. But um, some of the other guys, Callum King, Kobe King, um, both of them were up on on the first on February first. Um, so I got to talk to them, hang out with them for a little while. Uh, TJ Bowlers, who uh, who will be heading up there March first, I uh, reached out to him just to just to say what's up. Um, he'll be up there March 1st, like I said, so I, I hope to reach out to him, get to talk to him for a little while. And then uh, that, that's it for the most part. Um, but then also, I had, I mean, I had dudes from the, the 2020 class that were that were a huge part in my in my recruiting as well. Um, guys like Tim Ray DK, um, Cole Dakovich, Trey Wedding. Um, I, got, I talked to them a bunch about Wisconsin, about the whole, the whole recruiting process, and they kind of, they, they helped me through it, and then... Uh, ultimately help me help me choose Wisconsin. Why does Jim Leonard make such an impact with people? Why is Jim with, with his players, with his people he recruits? What is it about Jim that you think draws people in? Uh I mean he, he knows his he knows his football. That's 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 all there is to it. The, the guy's been around the league. Um he's been around football his entire life and he knows what it's like. He knows he knows what the backgrounds of every kid is just from just from being with the guys in the locker room in the NFL every day. Um, he knows how to relate to the kids. He's still young where he can move, um, do the drills with everyone. So I think he fits me and all the other DBs at Wisconsin so well. You've got a long way to go. You still got another year of high school football to go. I know that you're chasing another gold ball. After your season, have you thought about what the next process is going to be for you? Um, is it thinking about enrolling early? Is it focusing solely on 
finishing out your senior year. What kind of steps do you need to take after your high school season's done to get yourself ready for uh, the transition to college football? Uh, the plan right now for me is to is to finish my senior year out, um, be in school all the way through spring, uh, play football, play basketball, run track, do all the stuff that I've been doing my whole life. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to miss out on that last chance opportunity to to, to do the stuff I love. Um, but then once football season's over, then it then it ultimately flips into time to get ready to go play some play some more football and. Uh, at Wisconsin, time to play with the big boys. So then it'll just be a lot of, a lot of hitting the gym um, and just, just kind of getting myself mentally and physically prepared for that. Have you afforded yourself the opportunity to kind of look ahead at the safeties on the roster? Have the coaches even told you about the positioning of the roster and kind of how they're planning on attacking the safety spot? Because it appears you look at your 2021 roster it looks like there might be an opportunity for a young player who is ready physically to step in and contribute in some way. Have you given that any thought, or is that too far down the road for you? Um, I've given a little thought. Um, I think I think there's there's tons of dudes up there that can play right now. Um, but but yeah, I've given a little thought just just coming into it. Um, obviously, it's it's a ways out, and there's still a whole other year for them to play. And for me as well, but um, I just hope I just hope to get on the field. Um, I hope to get on the field as early as I can. Um, I'm gonna do whatever I can to do that, and uh, and that's the goal for me is just to is just to play early and be able to impact the team right away. That was my conversation with Hunter Waller, the 6'2", 190-pound safety from Muskego, Wisconsin. He beat my Waukesha West Wolverines handedly this past fall. And just a really talented player, and you can tell that I give him a lot of credit because a number of these Wisconsin kids, Benchwall, Jackson, Loyal, uh, Io, they committed shortly after their scholarship offers. They knew what they wanted, and they jumped on it, and that was that. Hunter grew up wanting to play college football, wanting to be play NFL football. He grew up with the Badgers, and he got that offer, but he still wanted to make sure that Wisconsin was right for him. Visited Northwestern, visited Ohio State a couple times, visited Notre Dame. He went through the process, and in the end, he knew that Wisconsin was going to be the right fit for him. And you look at where Wisconsin sits in their 2021 cycle, Scott Nelson is going to be a senior on that team. There's not going to be a lot of depth behind him. There's going to be a lot of unknown depth behind uh, Scott Nelson, assuming he's healthy. And that's also going to be a question mark going into this season is going to be the health of Scotty Nelson. But you look at the roster projected safeties for 2021. Scott Nelson, Reggie Pearson, Tyus Toller. That's it pretty much, in terms of scholarship players. We don't know how good Titus is. Uh, He's going to be a redshirt sophomore that year. So, unknowns. There's opportunity there for Hunter to play. And you watch him play. You watch his film. He is intelligent as well. Throw that in. He has grown by leaps and bounds. And John McNamara, our our site publisher, uh, when he committed in December, uh, this past December, he wrote a Commitment 101 that is really worth the read, that really breaks down how good of a player Hunter Waller is 
And he is just going to continue, in my opinion, to go up if he has another solid senior season or has a senior season like he did this past season and could be the one of easily one of the the stars on this class when officially when it becomes official uh, in December. That is our show for today. For all the latest on Wisconsin football, basketball, and recruiting, log on to BadgerBlitz.com. You can follow me on Twitter at TheBadgerNation. You can follow John McNamara at McNamara Rivals. And you can follow BadgerBlitz at Badger underscore Blitz. I will be back with you next week. We will recap Wisconsin-Nebraska, Wisconsin-Purdue. And we'll have another guest join us here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. Have a great weekend, everybody. And we'll talk with you soon.